This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Euro Cup Championship came down to England versus Italy. Penalty kicks. Pressure on a 19-year-old. But no, Italy win. They're European champions for only the second time. 53 years after the first, a long wait is over for the Azzurri. Mancini's men have come to Wembley and in the long haul tamed the three Lions. It's going Rome. <laughs> I think what they were saying there is Italy won. <laughs> is that the translation? Yeah, yeah, more or less. The English to English translation? <laughs> They've tamed the three Lions. They definitely... They they have a way with words over there, the commentators. They really do. It's like it's like Shakespeare. Heartbreak for England fans. Congratulations to Italy. I heard the horns honking all over the city yesterday. Uh, people yelling and screaming. The Italian fans were definitely loving the victory, but uh, the English fans not so much. We've got one of them joining us from England. Ben Steele, friend of ours. Hey, Ben. Hi, how's it going, Taz and Jim? Pretty good. Now, Ben is a host of a podcast, Anyone Can Play Guitar. We've been a guest on your podcast. We were hoping to have you as a guest on our show (laughs) to talk about (laughs) the drought, the English drought. When was the last time you guys won on on the world stage like this? Uh, 1966, so that's 55 years ago. And to be honest, Taz, we keep banging on about it. (laughs) It's been a long time. It's been a long time. You must have thought yesterday, England scored with like a couple minutes into the match. You must have thought things were looking pretty good for England. I did in the first half as well. We we played really well. I mean, we we just dominated the ball, but Italy are Italy, and they always find a way back into the game. And they're, you know what, they're a good team. There's something something scary in soccer when you score in the first two minutes because there's so much time left. Like it's almost like you sit back on it. It's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, totally. It's both. I mean, I've seen I've seen teams score early early doors and then just go and score five or six. But in a final, it's different. You kind of your mentality changes, and all of a sudden you think we can win this. Let's just stay back, and then well. Sometimes the inevitable happens, let's be honest. Were people drowning their sorrows yesterday after the game? Was there uh, any chaos in the streets, anarchy in the UK? Uh, um, <laughs> you know what? I believe there was. Um, it was funny because I was out on the match on Wednesday and then and I got a ping on my phone to say I have to self-isolate because I was in close contact with the COVID case so I couldn't leave the house, but I still can't. Um, <laughs> So I, I, was, I didn't witness it firsthand, but there's a lot of images. If you go online, Twitter or whatever, you'll find lots of images of um, so-called fans being uh, so-called fans at Wembley. And it just sometimes thinks, oh, this is, we don't deserve nice things when people go on like that. So, um, yeah, so there was a little bit of... Uh, do they destroy negative. things in England when you win or lose like they do here in North America? Doesn't matter yeah, if you win I or mean, lose, they're breaking stuff. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> um, I think it's worse when we lose because then people forget how well we've actually done in this competition and how well Southgate and the team have done to take us to the final. And like we played some good football, but as soon as a penalty miss happens, people forget that and they just turn into well animals, really. Mm. But <laughs> um, 
They had a 19-year-old kid. It came down to this 19-year-old. And I, when he stepped up there, I'm like, oh, my God. Imagine being 19 years old in yeah. this situation where the, the hopes and dreams of your entire country are on your shoulders. Like that, I felt bad for the guy. And, oh, and he missed time. the shot. And you could clearly see that he was devastated. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, you're right. However, he's had such a great competition. Like, he's such, like, Saka and, uh, well, all three that missed are such good players. Penalty kicks are just, sometimes it's in your head. Yeah. <laughs> it all comes out. Like, it, it's a long walk. It's a long walk from that halfway line. And you're right, 19. I don't even know how many games he's played for Arsenal, actually. To be fair, that's his, that's his, his um, club team. It can't be many. I gotta give some advice to young penalty shooters out there when it comes to soccer. Do less. I hate like when there's a big game on the line and guys are trying to trick the goalie. It's like this isn't the time to do it. Sometimes it works, but stick to the fundamentals and just bury the shot. Well, there's the one low. English player who did like the little, he slowed right down, yeah. almost stopped, did a little yeah. shimmy shake with his legs, well, and then start, hit he, the post. Yeah. He missed. He started in the center, uh-huh. and then he and then he drifted to the left, did the stutter step. It's like, no, no, man. Just be automatic. Bury it low and hard. Oh, it's so frustrating yeah. to watch. Yeah, like, off those two pens, that's what Kane and Maguire both did. They just, as they say, put the laces through it and... Mm-hmm. Well, I think Maguire. And I, I think Maguire broke the camera in the. In the oh yeah, the yeah, it went to like static. <laughs> that was a beauty. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations on the silver medal. I love that too. They make the losing team go up there and all accept medals as if they even want to be there once they lose, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Italian God of Honor. This is a new thing they've started doing. I think that's quite nice because it's it's sportsman in it. It was a good game. Uh, Italy had to had to dig in to beat with so. Yeah, that's the nice part of football. That's the nice part of football. When you see the other images you see sometimes, it's it's not so much. But well, England, there's always World Cup. When's that? Is that next yeah. year? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, only a year yeah. away, and you can take another crack at it, Young guys. Team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben, thanks for joining us, even though uh, your team lost. Big of you. No problem. Thanks for having both. Thanks for having me on, and again, thanks to both of you being a host of my podcast. Again, I'm just putting that air. Uh, that little advertising in there. <laughs> yeah, people can find your podcast wherever they get their podcasts. Anyone That's can play right. guitar is the name of it. Thanks, Ben. And now, the winner is... Devin Peacock. I want to see you peacock, cock, cock. You peacock, cock, cock. You peacock, cock, cock. You Time peacock, for sports with Taz and Jim. And the guy is very excited today. Devin Peacock joins us from Global News Radio. Dev, you love your baseball and All-Star Week getting underway with the Home Run Derby tonight. Shohei Otani is going to be the headliner tonight. He is the story of the All-Star game overall. He is going to pitch. He is going to hit. So he was elected to the All-Star game in general as both the DH and a pitcher, which is kind kind of crazy. Uh, but he's also going to be in the Home Run Derby, which is also crazy. It'll be Otani, Juan Soto, Joey Gallo, Matt Olson, Trevor Story, and Pete Alonso, who's previously had a, a huge showing. Trey Mancini and Salvador Perez also participating. But it's going to be Shohei Otani, who is uh, the guy everyone wants to see. He is going to be the one people want to win. And it's going to be in Colorado, 
where the balls fly, so we should see plenty of home runs. For the All-Star game, they should get the housekeeper at the Maven Hotel in Denver to throw out the first pitch. This story, it's wild, it's scary. There's a hotel near Coors Field where the game is going to be, all the All-Star festivities going on. And uh, this, this housekeeper found a bunch of guns in a room that she was cleaning. Cops were called and three men and a woman were arrested on Friday night at this hotel. They confiscated 16 rifles, more than 1,000 rounds of ammo, body armor. Room was on the eighth floor. Police think they could have been planning a Las Vegas-style mass shooting, which is terrifying. But thanks to this housekeeper, the crisis has been averted. One of the suspects as well posted on Facebook saying he was planning to go out in a big way. Very cryptic. Yeah, subtle. One of the suspects had a recent divorce, and that's where the uh, go out in a big way comment uh, came from. Um, You know, there's a lot of uh, things we can say about uh, social media, but the fact that this person posted on social media in addition to the discovery by the housekeeper uh, is one of the uh, good days. Uh, People tend to post things they shouldn't, and in uh, this situation, they were able to get ahead of it, and it makes you wonder how many other cases authorities have been able to get ahead of that we haven't learned of. Uh, but a potential Las Vegas-style shooting should send uh, shivers down the spines of everyone. So, yeah, I agree. Have this housekeeper at the All-Star game. They are the All-Star. Just talking to Devin Peacock, our sports guy, about the, uh, the the guns that were seized in a hotel in Colorado where the MLB All-Star game is going on. A housekeeper apparently reported seeing all these weapons. Uh, Cops were called, and a a bunch of people were arrested. Here's some people who were at the hotel, some witnesses. It looked like National Guard members, like, ran through the lobby, went down into the garage, we presume, and then, like, brought out mail in handcuffs. Heavily armed, walked right out of the elevator. We got back probably three hours later. Definitely was worse, it seemed. There was actually like a whole group of policemen out front, crime scene unit. So our balcony faces directly towards Coors Field. There's no building in between. You just the balcony, you can see straight across to Coors Field. And I think of things like the Vegas shooting, like that's where my mind went actually. So thank you to whoever reported what they saw because they could have circumvented a catastrophe. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what charges are laid and, and what happens here. This is the thing though, when, when these things are stopped before they happen, you can say, well, you know, would it have happened? Right? It's it's like a pre-crime unit, kind of. Yeah. But, I mean, the, when you have enough evidence... Yeah. Uh, multiple, All signs were pointing to yeah. things were going, were going sideways in this situation. I mean, thank God that they didn't put the do not disturb sign on the door handle on the outside of this room, or the maid never would have stumbled in there and saw all these guns. Right. Yeah, that housekeeper did the right thing and, and may have saved hundreds of lives. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. Another catastrophe that was averted on the weekend, or this was actually last Thursday. Did you see the video, though? It was it was going around. In Traverse City, Michigan, there was a festival going on. They had a carnival ride. Oh, yeah. That went out of control. It was called the Magic Carpet Ride. And it's one of those ones, like the arm with the big thing. You're the spinning, pendulum. The pendulum, it spins around, and eventually it goes all the way up over and... Uh, So this thing is going fully spinning around completely with people on the ride. 
And it looks like uh, whatever was stabilizing the ride came loose. The whole thing starts shaking back and forth. And it looked like it was going to topple over until people, other other people who were at the, the festival, they just all started running over and holding onto the fence, basically holding the, the ride down. To the ground, to yeah. To the ground so it wouldn't flip over, putting enough weight on it to stop it from falling. Here's the audio of that action. You've got to be kidding me. Someone's getting fired. (laughs) (laughs) Someone's getting fired, bro. I'm not going to put down the camera and help, no. That's a comment I saw. I was like, where's the guy operating the ride? I think you see him at the start of the video jump off. He jumped ship. Okay, because there's one guy who has a jacket on, and he's he's the first guy in there holding it down. I assume that that was the guy who's about to get fired because he's like doing the arm thing, waving people over to come help. Like who would who honestly who would go over to help in that moment? It'd be scary because yeah. you think you're just gonna get caught in the accident too. But people like ten other people came over. Kudos to everyone who who did because otherwise, again, who knows what would have happened, right? Yeah. You got to give it to these people who see something, a dangerous situation. They put their own safety on the line uh-huh. to help others. But talk about a thrill ride. The people got huh? their their four tickets worth for sure. <laughs> A new era in space flight became a reality on the weekend when Richard Branson became the first guy to build his own rocket and blast himself into outer space. Here is Branson floating weightless up above planet Earth. To all you kids down there, I was once a child with a dream looking up to the stars. Now I'm an adult in a spaceship looking down to our beautiful, beautiful Earth. To the next generation of dreamers, if we can do this, just imagine what you can do. Hey! <laughs> His crew in the background there seemed to have, be having a very fun time. Floating around, yeah. I'm surprised Spinning. Branson didn't yell, a, yell we. Have a, I used to be a kid and now I'm a man in a spaceship. Wee! Wee! I'm floating! <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. At, at 71 years old, he's the second oldest guy ever in space. John Glenn went up in 1998 when he was 77. They gave him another trip hmm. when he was 77 years old. Uh, he, did, he didn't get the oldest guy in space record, but he did beat Jeff Bezos to outer space. He's got his, his rocket ship company ready to go on July 20th. Branson actually moved his flight up. He says not to beat Bezos to space, although it's kind of suspicious. However, uh, Bezos did send his congratulations on Instagram. He said, quote, can't wait to join the club. It was pretty cool to see, man. And the spaceship looks super cool. This Virgin Galactic spaceship looks like something right out of a, a science fiction movie. I did also enjoy watching this. The the woman at the uh, the control base there was very enthusiastic when she was counting things down. Three, two, one. Release, release, release. Clean release. And 60 seconds. And that is a full duration burn, folks. We are headed to space. Just a very positive sounding lady. Here is the, the spacecraft landing. 500 feet above the runway. Over the threshold. Main gear touchdown. And there is full stop. All right. (laughs) 
just just a pleasant voice. I, I like it. I think she could get uh, work commentating other things, Jim. Like, oh yeah. Like I think she would do a great job commentating my sex life. Three, two, one. Release, release, release. <laughs> Clean release. And sixty seconds, and there is full stop. <laughs> All right. Oh, okay, he did it. New record. <laughs> 60, 60 seconds. seconds. For He's a marathon man. <laughs> Big fight in the UFC. UFC uh, 264, I want to say. Is that what it was? Do people still keep track? I mean, yeah. I'm losing track of the Super Bowls, to be honest. It was Poirier versus McGregor. Talk about the title fight. Here's our good friend. Fighting out of London, Ontario, Canada. Sam Hands of Stone. Retired UFC fighter Sam Stout joins us. Hey, Sammy. How's it going, guys? Good, man. What did you think of that uh, spectacle on Saturday night? It was pretty wild, man. That wasn't how I expected the night to end, that's for sure. This was a trilogy of fights between Dustin, the Diamond, uh, Poirier, and one of the biggest stars ever in the UFC, Conor McGregor. It didn't last long, and it was another one of those moments. Last time we had you on, there was another bad leg break. We were we were watching the video. Oh, I was screaming at the TV. Were you screaming when McGregor stepped back and his yeah. leg went sideways? Well, we were. I ended up uh, watching it at the little. Uh, have you been to the Oaks lately? Oh, the golf course. I, yeah. I, I haven't been there in about a year. Well, they got a cool. They got a cool setup at the, the halfway hut there. That. You know, Walt decked it out, and it's uh, you know got a sound system and um, TV and stuff. So it's like an outdoor venue. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was. Cool. Oh, that's sweet. Really cool. And the boys were there, so it was everyone just freaking out. Yeah, it was wild, man. Everyone, no one could believe it. Uh, it was, uh, do you think? It, well, let's play the audio here. Why don't we play the? Uh, this is this is Poirier after the the victory. He was not having any of Conor McGregor's sass. A very strange fight in that the first fight, there was all this animosity. The second fight, Conor was very friendly to you. But then leading up to this third fight in the, the, the last few weeks, he's made things very personal. Yeah, I can take, you know, like even the trash, like there's no host bar with the trash truck, right? But murder is something you don't clown around. You know, there's no coming back from that. And this guy was saying he was going to murder me and all kinds of stuff. He was telling me he was going to kill me tomorrow. I'm going to leave here in a coffin. You don't talk like that to people, man. I hope this guy gets home safe to his beautiful family, you know? The ground and pound was very effective. And everybody booing, everybody booing, you can kiss my whole ass. Okay. <laughs> he wasn't going to go out like a nice guy. Yeah, he wasn't. He didn't want to be too classy, right? <laughs> That's the next fight. But well, he, Dustin's, man, Dustin's from the hood back in the days. He grew up in, uh, he grew up in Louisiana, and then, he's from, and then he went to... And then he trained in Florida. He's 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 from the streets, man. He don't he don't play around. <laughs> but he's he does. Nice does he have now. a point he's a nice there? Family man now. What's that? Does he have a point there? You've been in in many fights. If do people say I'm going to kill you, or what did McGregor say? I'm going to I'm going to kill that human, or I'm going to kill that man. And no, the- he said he's going to pay with his life. You know, it was just Connor getting being Connor, but uh, he you know I guess he crossed the line for Dustin and uh, and pay off for him. Yeah, here's McGregor getting interviewed by Joe Rogan while lying on the ground. Yeah, Rogan sitting. had to lie next to him, basically, and McGregor yeah. was still going off. Listen. He said that he believes that one of the kicks that he checked is what broke your leg. There was no check. 
was not wounded at my chest. Y'all voices in me, DMs, hey baby, hit me back on my jacket later on. We'll be at the after party, the wind no club, baby. You're looking bitch, you little It was kind of sad to me, McGregor. I know, it seemed really lowbrow to me, you know, to just like, and desperate. Yeah, yeah your wife's like, in my DM. By the way, I also have a wife. I hope she doesn't hear me saying this. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it reminded me of like the end of a, a movie, like, I'll get you for this, Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. a car drives by and splashes him with water. Yeah. Like a guy who just got kicked out of the bar and there's no way he's getting back in. Do you think that yeah. there will be a fourth fight because McGregor did say, oh, we'll, we'll settle this. Like the guy's leg was p- pointing in the wrong direction. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't quite as nasty as the last one, I thought. It was a little lower of the break, and yeah, but it was so gross. It, um, do you think McGregor is going to be you know back I fighting, or anyone, is this it for him? No, I think anyone else, that would be it. But I think Dana White and his golden boy, Connor, is gonna, he's gonna, Dana's going to give him another shot. And will it be against Poirier, or will they give him some uh, schlub no, that he I can beat and go out on top? going to happen next. Connor's going to need some time for that to heal. Poirier's in, in great shape, so... I think uh, they'll have Poirier fight for the for the title against Charles Oliveira, and then when Connor heals, they're gonna they're gonna find a way to make Connor and and uh, and Dustin again. That's it'll mm. be the first the first four fight or trilogy plus one whatever. I don't, what do you call it? A four fight a quad a trilogy a quadro fight a quadrilogy rocking four. (laughs) (laughs) But like, so if if Dustin wins the belt, you think Connor will get a title shot, or is he too far in his career to get that one? I mean, he he doesn't deserve it. He hasn't won a fight in quite a while. But it's Conor McGregor and Dana White's. You know, he's Dana White's little little. uh, You know. Pal. He sells pay per views. He he truly does. Even it, the crowd I was mean, American and they're all cheering for Conor but McGregor. But it, it almost was when he's lying there and they're they're putting him on a stretcher to carry him out and he's still spouting off. Like it really gave yeah. it seemed fake and forced and so disingenuous. Yeah. I, I think people I mean, are kind of wise I, to the whole routine now. I mean, I'm sure he was very frustrated too, like he did, I I think he really did go into that one a lot more serious than he did the last one. You know, he put a he he didn't have his family staying with him during camp. He didn't want the dis, the distraction, and you know, he said he wasn't able to fully recover because he's on his his day on his days off because you know he's playing. He, and you, you can speak to this, Taz. Like kids don't let you rest, right? So, so he was. I think he was trying to get his head in the game and take it a little more seriously this time, and uh, I, it would be frustrating. I mean, I was surprised that he didn't get a plug in for his whiskey while his leg was like bent in half. He did it. for the nightclub, though. Yeah, me and my nightclub will have they some pa- proper yeah. whiskey. They paid me two hundred fifty thousand dollars to drop their name, and I just lost, so I got to squeeze it in there somehow. He's he's a businessman. Yeah, he's not gonna miss that plug for the, for the nightclub. Absolutely. Just like you and the Oaks, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Sam Stout, we got to say congratulations to you. And and, uh, we can't wait to meet your baby boy, Lennox Sean Stout. That's right. Uh, Congratulations on the new baby. How are things going? It's been great, man. He's four years old now. We're starting to get adjusted here. He's sleeping well through the night. We're not sleeping so well, but he is. Uh, just been, 
you know, you know how it is when there's a new baby. If he if he's making noise, you wake up. If he's not making noise, you wake up. But uh, yeah. but he's he's super happy. He's eating well. He's doing all those. It's all it's all good. Little cutie, we can't wait to meet him, and we'll yeah. uh, chat with you again soon. Sam Stout, retired UFC fighter. Appreciate you coming on with Taz and Jim. Hey, thanks for having me as always, man. I want to see you peacock, cock, cock, your peacock, cock, It's time for sports. Peacock, Taz and cock, Jim joined by peacock, Devin Peacock from Global News Radio. Peacock, hey, Dev. Peacock, hey, guys. Let's talk basketball. Milwaukee gets their first win of the uh, finals last night. It was nice to see Milwaukee be um, uh, a winner for once here. They've had some struggles so far against the Phoenix Suns. In Phoenix, the fans really got under Giannis's skin, in particular when he was shooting free throws. So Giannis had 40 points in Game 2, but they still lost. He had another 40-point game last night, but the big difference for him was from the line he was shooting a great percentage. He was, you know, he missed like four times only. He went uh, to the line almost 20 times. He had a great game. It was awesome to see, but it's just the difference of the home crowd and something you didn't see last year, which is the equalizing factor of home and away when they're in the bubble because no fans really takes some of the added intrigue out of it. So the Bucks fans played a role, I think, in the Bucks victory last night. Let's uh, go to Olympic basketball. Jim, this is uh, this is doesn't look good for the United States as we get closer to the Tokyo Games. Well, I was I was watching Team USA take on Team Nigeria in an exhibition match, and Draymond Green was playing. He stuffed a guy and was staring him down. And I was like, "Why are they? Why is he taking it so seriously?" USA is obviously going to dominate this game. And then the game ended. Nigeria beat America for the first time ever. An unbelievable upset. What did you think about that loss, Dev? It was uh, historic, which is kind of crazy to say, considering it was an exhibition game. But consider this. Since 1992, the United States is 54-2 in in exhibition games since professionals started, the NBA players started playing in 1992. And just nine years ago, they beat Nigeria by 83 points (laughs) at the Olympics. Holy. But five years ago, they beat Nigeria by 43 points in an exhibition. So now to have Nigeria win by three points, 90 to 87 in a tune-up for the Olympics, Nigeria is going to the Olympics, is pretty incredible. Nigeria does have some NBA players on its roster, though. They have seven current NBA players. Uh, they've got uh, 13 players overall who have spent some time in the NBA. They are the uh, same level as Canada in terms of players who are at the NBA talent level. The difference between Canada and Nigeria is Canada was not able to qualify for the Olympics uh, with all the talent they had. Nigeria has, which is real credit to them and their entire system. I may be cheering Nigeria. If Canada's not in there, you got to pick another country, right? Can't cheer for America. No way. Thanks, Dev. <laughs> we get to move one step closer to fully reopening the province on Friday. Yeah, they, they announced that they're bumping up stage three a couple days early. So as of Friday, a whole bunch of stuff. It's going to be like a different world, mm-hmm. Jim. Up to 25 people can attend indoor gatherings. What are those? <laughs> and public events. 
expanded capacity for religious services and ceremonies. Indoor dining will be allowed with no capacity limits other than you have to keep two meters apart from other tables. Okay. Okay, so you can have as many people in there as long as you have a giant warehouse. You can have as many, whatever the capacity yeah. of your restaurant is, as long as the tables are two meters apart, and you can have a table of 20 people, right? I can't wait to see the creative ways they keep these tables two meters <laughs> apart. There's like one in the bathroom, one half in the kitchen. There's one hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> How do I get two up meters there? vertically. <laughs> Sports and recreational facilities, fitness facilities can operate at 50% capacity so you and I can finally get back to the gym. Oh my God, I, that's the reason I haven't done a sit-up in like two years. Uh, you over top of me was spotting me while I do bench press, Jim. It's one of the simple pleasures in life that I've missed. <laughs> <laughs> Just two bros working on their health, you yeah, know? You and your short shorts spotting me at the gym. That's what we do. <laughs> Help friends out. Meeting and event spaces, 50% capacity or up to 1,000 people, whichever's less. Personal care services that require masks to be removed can start operating again. Uh, casinos, museums, yep. aquariums, landmarks, galleries, fairs, amusement parks, all 50% capacity. <laughs> a friend of mine said, do you think I might have a gambling pro problem? I saw the article that they were reopening, and the first thing I did was scroll down until I found casinos. <laughs> <laughs> we all miss casinos, though. Let's be real. Yeah. And how about this one? Nightclubs. Grinding, getting busy on the dance floor mm -hmm. is back in strip clubs are going to be reopening with up to 25% capacity or a maximum of 250 people, whichever is less. Hmm. I think I might stay away for a while. From the strip club or yeah, the nightclub? The strip club. Might I, not think be a bad idea. I might give it a six-month yeah. buffer. Real estate open houses are going to be uh, back as long as people are staying two meters apart. And, oh, man, we've been waiting for this. Concert venues can now operate with a cap of up to 50% capacity indoors or a maximum of 1,000 people. So indoor concerts are getting the green light as of Friday here in Ontario. Checking in on all our, our English friends to make sure they're doing okay. Uh, can't get in touch with Martin Butler, our uh -oh. Euro Cup correspondent, is... Phone is going right to voicemail. If you know Martin, if you live close, could someone just go knock on his door? <laughs> oh, man. Sure he organized right. like a 200 plus person pool. So everybody on the Facebook group that we're in is just chirping, chirping them hard. Yeah, it's not good. Not a good day to be a, an English super fan. It was, uh, it was a good start to the game for England. They were up one nothing with two minutes in. Mm -hmm. And then Italy came back, tied it in penalty kicks. Italy uh, was able to, to get the victory, and they walked away with the Euro Cup. Mm -hmm. England's bad luck streak continues. Haven't won since 1966. Just cursed. <laughs> I, uh, I love the Italian fans, though. I love seeing the celebrations. I love hearing the celebrations. I, I, I was at home, and there isn't a, a busy road for, like, kilometers from my house and I could hear the honking <laughs> and I could hear the screaming. Yeah. Like cheering. If you can find someone who loves you like an Italian soccer fan loves soccer, <laughs> 
your life's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, you're living the dream. It's true passion yeah. that they've got. The horns were honking for like an hour and a half, two hours. Well, yeah, it's a big day. It honks until World Cup starts. You honk, <laughs> you honk until the battery dies, yeah. right? I also loved all the Italian fans dressed up in the crowd, too, and seeing all the funny costumes. Like, how many Marios and Luigis did you see? I didn't know they embraced the Mario and Luigi stereotype in Italy. I figured they might be offended by it. But nope, the fans were going wild. When you went to Euro Cup in France, Jim, tell everybody what you wore. RCMP outfit. Yeah, you dressed dressed like Canadian Mounties, even though Canada, obviously not in Euro. Yeah. You wanted everyone to know where you were coming from. But nobody nobody even recognized the symbolism of the Canadian Mountie. They all thought we were Belgian. Huh. Yeah, it was weird. Like, rush, like, we take cabs to different places, and the cab would be like, you Belgian? Mm. No, we're Canadian. We were shocked. But any any Canadian that was at Euro Cup, like we met a couple from Winnipeg, they ran over to us. They knew exactly who we were. So, like, the Canadians got it. You should have dressed as a beaver or a bottle of maple syrup. <laughs> Next time, man. <laughs> Next time. I'm going to miss Euro because I, I love... I love the tournament. Once it starts going and it's if you lose, you're out, that format is just so exciting. There's no game two. There's no game three. Mm-hmm. If you don't mm-hmm. win, tournament's over for you. I also love the commentating. I find it so relaxing to listen to the the English accents, the guys who call the game. And one of the terms that I think I'm going to use for every sport now, instead of saying that one team is favored over another, they like to say that one team is fancied. Over yeah, and over. yeah. It's like, oh, Italy's coming into this heavily fancied. <laughs> you hear that and you just picture the Italian squad running out in like the the puffy shirt from Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at how fancy they are. Look at the Ooh. flared bottoms. <laughs> Boy, they sure look fancy. <laughs> and they're going strong down in the United States. Marvel's Black Widow had the biggest movie opening since COVID turned the world upside down over the weekend. Black Widow made $80 million Mm. in just over three days. The movie also was available on Disney+. Plus. Interesting that people still go into the theater, even though they could order the movie at home and just watch it on their TVs. 30 bucks is what it would cost you. It keeps, the price keeps going up. Got an additional $60 million from streaming on Disney+. Plus. So $60 million and $80 million. Then you add in the $78.8 million that the movie made overseas. Opening weekend of $220 million. Pretty good. Yeah, that's healthy. I did watch it at home, Jim. What'd you think? I coughed up the cash and... Ah! <laughs> it, it was okay. It was a Marvel movie. There was there was some good action, a couple really good laughs. Okay, that's good. The the woman who plays Florence Pugh, I think is her name. She plays Black Widow's sister. She was excellent. If you're a fan of the music we play here, you'd be probably interested to hear the, the song that plays during the opening credit sequence in Black Widow. See if you recognize this one. It's a cover. Load up on guns and bring your friends. It's fine to lose and to pretend She's overboard and self-assured Oh no, I know a dirty word You got it? Hello, mm-hmm. hello, 
smells like Teen Spirit. Except a girl is singing it slowly. Dramatic. Empowerment. <laughs> so common. They, the last five years, they've taken grunge tunes and, and had a lady sing them. At a slow like, pace. Super emotional, and it's been yeah. in so many trailers. Emo hard rock songs yeah. in, in movies is definitely a trend. I was disappointed, Jim. I think we may have talked about this on the show. I know I had posted on social media when I found out they were doing a standalone Black Widow movie, and I said, oh, my God. They got to include Alice Cooper's Black Widow <laughs> in the film. Mm -hmm. I, what an awesome... Imagine a fight scene breaking out, and this kicks in. These words he speaks are true. We're all humanary stew. We don't pledge allegiance to the Black Widow. Yeah, kick some ass, Black Widow. Wouldn't that be great? how they do movies it'd probably show up in the end credits or something like that they shoehorn it in there but this would be great for the trailer yeah maybe during a fight scene the something. song is called Black Widow yeah nowhere they didn't use it <laughs> did they google before they wrote this movie I heard the I heard the writer actually wrote it in 11 days wrote the script in 11 days if we don't pledge allegiance to the Black Widow well, he should have taken 12 days <laughs> and got the rights to the Alice Cooper song. Googled some lyrics. Maybe Black Widow 2. <laughs> They're saving that one for. And with uh, $220 million in a weekend, eh, probably going to be a Black Widow 2. Yeah. So in London, Ontario, there is a petition to ban fireworks, the sale and use of fireworks. Some people are, are fed up with all the noise that is created. They're saying that it's, it's not good for the environment. It's not good for pets. You, you've got two dogs at home, Jim. Were they, how did they react to the fireworks a couple weeks back? Uh, I was up in my cottage. Did so, Sarah say anything about Bruce back no. home? Was, I don't think anything. But you've I've heard that, used right? To it, that they sometimes freak out and yeah, they'll run around in circles and bark and stuff. I've heard that before for sure. Um, one person who is not a fan of this idea is our pal Weird James. We've had him on the show before. He every year puts on a big fireworks display for, for all his neighbors. He's very passionate about um, his fireworks and he joins us here on the show. Hey, James. Hey, how's it going? Good, buddy. So uh, you fought a couple years back in London to for the right to do fireworks on multiple nights, correct? Right, right. Yeah, I was I was doing this show for 10 years called Burn the Kids, and we would have a neighborhood block party, and it's a joke. Uh, play on words. Mm. Yeah, you're not actually burning no, children. Well, a couple kids got their hands burned on sparklers, but whatever, that happens all the time. So we, <laughs> I, I made the argument at City Hall that, like, what kind of hard-working person, stiff or whatever, wants to have a barbecue if Canada Day's on a Tuesday or if it falls on a Thursday. And I had shown that in other uh, municipalities in, in, uh, in Ontario, et cetera, that other cities have tried it and had no problems with it. So yeah. we kind of sold them on the argument that, you know, if Canada Day was on a Wednesday, you could have it on the Saturday after, or if it was on, like, a Tuesday, or you could have it the Saturday before. And so, you know, I very vividly remember the first year it happened, you know, one of my neighbors, like, you know, it was the Saturday after Canada Day, and he comes over and sees, like, a thousand people on the yard, and, like, what's going on? And, you know, the cops didn't stop coming, but I had a copy of the bylaw, like, in the garage, and everything was cool, and, you know, and then, but I think over the years, like, 
I don't know if the city's done the best job of letting people know that that's like the real rule. Uh-huh. And, so they're, they're uh, getting flooded with complaints, and maybe right. even the law enforcement aren't 100% sure about right. yeah, what they should like, be doing. Yeah, because like the last time uh, we did a real big one, we got they tried to pinch us for it as well, and they didn't even know. And this was like a couple years ago. Hmm. Now, they did eventually get us because we were shooting a couple on the street, but we just moved them off the street and away we went, you know. And uh, But it's, uh, I think... Um, you know, from my experience with fireworks, like the last few ones we did, I think like kids are getting bored with it. Personally, I noticed that like less and less of the younger kids were even. No like, way, the internet's like, ruined their kids. attention span no, that much. Yeah, they, they don't even. They were like the older people were liking it more, and the kids were like staring at their phones or leaving. And and huh. I, I thought, like I, I noticed that. So that was kind of the reason we we kind of stopped. Was, I stopped doing it a couple years ago, but we we had like in, in its peak, like you know, we got three four hundred people on the lawn. And going so crazy. what do you think? Then I, I, I'm trying to. I thought you'd be like just arguing oh, against this. Oh yeah, it's, no, the argument's ridiculous because you know what's going to happen. Like they try to ban it, and they're going to just they're going to it's going to be the wild wild west because if you look at what's happening, a lot of American cities of fireworks they're shooting them off for like the entire summer. Yeah, and guys, and guys are coming in from out of town and Cubans, and they're selling. Uh, fireworks from other areas, and and then and then then that's what you hear when you're going to bed right now, and you hear that firework going off. That's not a house doing it. That's like some kid that managed to find a convenience store, so you know that sold it uh, after hours or bought it at a flea market or something. So I think the control should be on on the sale of the firework, not the actual firework itself. Because if you're buying these things, like yeah, it's not your average fire uh, family having a a full firework show on like July the ninth. I can remember. I had a friend who went to Florida, and he came back, and he snuck some fireworks. Oh yeah, it, it was an event as a teenager when you got your right. hands on fireworks. Right. It's like, oh, oh boys, exactly. okay, we all sneak out of our house. We'll rendezvous here, and we'll light <laughs> yeah. off the fireworks. It'll be crazy. Right? Yeah, that's what I think is going on because you can like see them move. I'll see them go off, and you can see them shoot off in different areas. But you know, like some guys got a backpack. So you you don't think you don't think that they should ban fireworks no, displays? I'm not buying I'm not buying the babies for the dogs and all that either. You know, and it's, I find it weird that the uh, not the generalized like it's the old East Village area that's really like the one that wants the most, but the other areas don't even seem to care about it. They're just they're the ones that seem to be playing the most online. Yeah, I, I get it. I I understand because we get up early in the morning, and Jim, we've complained about hearing fireworks going off. But you know what? I still think you should be able to have yeah. fireworks. Not being getting a good night's sleep, three hundred and sixty-five days a year, just to give people some enjoyment in their lives is not a terrible thing. Yeah, you got to suck right. it up I sometimes, love, I love right? The memories of you know getting the lawn chair out, you know whether it's the yeah. one the city's putting on or your neighbor's putting on or somebody's going out on a boat. I, I love it as a kid, even yeah, even if people don't these days. And we haven't had the Kiwanis shows, right? Like with COVID, like we haven't had those big shows. The big shows haven't there. been happening. Yeah, so, so you got to kind of yeah. do the home shows. The individual exactly, ones, yeah. Exactly. So I think everyone, you know, I understand people are upset, but let's chill out, give it another year or so. I really think like when things are a lot better next year, you, you're probably going to notice it's going to go down quite a bit. Yeah. I think this, these last few summers, people have been. Well, it's so encouraging great. that there's yeah. no London city councillors that have really stepped up and supported this and said, yeah, let's right. cancel right. fireworks. Yeah, maybe move it back to one night again. I don't know, but yeah, banning it—it's just not going to fly. It's going to be—it's going to be a hundred times worse if you try to ban it. All right, it, right? Yeah. weird James, keep all your fingers, okay, buddy? All right, you <laughs> all guys, right. Be good, good chat with you. 
Thank you very much for checking out the Taz and Jim podcast. If you want to listen to us the old-fashioned way, live on the radio, you can do that on FM 96 in London or Y108 in Hamilton weekday mornings from 5.30 until 9.30. Or subscribe, keep downloading the podcasts, and we'll keep talking. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.